Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Sneaky Sports Podcast, Season 3, Episode number 81 on this Thursday, October 28th, 2021. Frank and Nick, how are you guys doing today? Doing good. Ready to talk some hoops today. Ready for the game tonight, Brad. Let's go. We're taking over that top sheet in the East. Yeah, I mean, if you guys don't know the context, me and Frank are diehard Knicks fans and Graf is a diehard Bulls fan. So we got a big matchup for the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. I mean, what year are we in, man? This is crazy. 2021 Knicks and Bulls. We're back. We're back, baby. But moving on to what we'll talk about in today's episode, we'll talk about the Pelicans and if they made a mistake drafting Zion over John Morant. I know that seems kind of crazy on the surface level, but we'll get into that. We'll talk about the NBA's new foul rules. And if they're targeting James Harden, we'll talk some NBA rookies. We'll get into the Wolves and Hornets early season starts. And moving on to the NFL portion of the podcast, we'll talk about the Sean Watson and if he will be dealt before the trade deadline. So without further ado, let's dive on in and we begin today's episode with the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, and if they made a mistake drafting Zion over John Morant. Now, like I previously mentioned, it, it seems outlandish because Zion just made second team all NBA last year, averaged like 27 points per game. He was phenomenal, was never really hurt at all last year. But that's what that's where it kind of stops at for me. I think the injuries are a major concern for Zion moving forward because reports are he's north of 300 pounds north of 300 pounds and you know he's not in shape and you saw him you know walk to the game he looks bigger there's no question about it and it's not his fault though the reason why he's bigger is because he's been suffering from a foot injury so you know when you have a foot injury and you know you can't work out do you know some serious workouts obviously as a big guy you're gonna you're gonna go you know out of shape so this is a concern moving forward no doubt and how we're seeing John Moran play averaging what 35 points a game this season, something like that. I think 31 now because he had that, he had a kind of a, a bad game on the last game he played, but 31 points a game, over 50% from the field, five boards, six and a half assists. He's been fantastic. So, um, is there any chance, guys, that you genuinely believe that the Pelicans are regretting their decision? I don't know if I'd say regretting yet, but I think it's certainly something to be a question. It seems like Zion is kind of like a six foot four wide receiver in football. Whereas, you know, you're kind of the bigger guy in the position, you start getting lower leg injuries and from there it all falls down. And, you know, now this thing with the foot and you look at, for example, like Julio Jones had that one foot problem, Des Bryant, and look what happened to them. They just, the lower leg injuries would not stop. And Zion's kind of at that weight. He's at, he's very, you know, have you said at this point, it was kind of like LeBron early on in his career. And, he, you know, he had to make a change. He had to cut down because he knew it wasn't sustainable. And I think, you know, it comes to a question is when are the Pelicans going to tell this guy, like, listen, you can't play at this weight. It's not healthy. And I think that's part of the reason why he's suffering from all these injuries, because he's just playing at too heavy of a weight, especially with his play style, you know, running up and down the floor. So it seems like kind of an Embiid situation then too, relating it more towards the NBA, where he's going to play like 60 out of 80 games every year. And is that going to be good enough? And right I, now for the Pelicans, know. they look like one of the worst teams in the Western Conference without him. So clearly not. And we thought they might, might have had a chance for a play in this year. But if he's not out there, then no. And it's and it, it, this happened at the start of his you know rookie season as well. He missed some time in the first few weeks. Yeah, missed like kind half of the season. We kind of didn't know when he was going to come back. And it's kind of the same thing right now. And it's suspect of the organization as well for just not kind of displaying anything. There's no transparency. 
Yeah. And, you know, also there's the concern that like Zion doesn't want to be there. There's been some rumors about that. Um, we haven't seen that with John Morant yet. And they're both in very small market cities. So it's fair to say that if the Pelicans drafted Ja, like they wouldn't have those issues. He'd be out there right now and they'd probably have a better record. Um, and, you know, talking about John Morant, he's looked great. I was watching them when they played the Lakers. He went head to head with all the big names on the Lakers. And yeah, he like kind of missed those free, th- free throws at the end, but you can't kill him for that. He was the only reason they were in that game. They had no bench production or anything. And he just he was going head to head with LeBron, AD, you know, bucket for bucket. And they almost won. So he's he's officially, you know, developed into a superstar, I would say. I mean, he's just tremendous. And yeah, I mean, it's tough, as you said, to say that they were going to regret taking Zion because of how good he's been when he's on the floor. But you know, obviously, as we said, there's just so many concerns, whereas with John Morant, there are no concerns. We know what he is. Yeah, I, I kind of exactly agree with that because last year I was a bit concerned. I wasn't really a bit concerned about Ja, but I thought he was being a little bit overhyped because he didn't really take the biggest leap from year one to two. And I think a big part of that was his one-dimensional game wasn't really a shooter, but this season he's been a willing three-point shooter over seven attempts a game on over 40% from, the, um, from three. That is telling. I mean, that is telling. So if this guy can stay consistent with that shot, with the explosiveness, I mean, Paul George said he has the explosiveness of prime Russell Westbrook and prime D Rose. Oh, and yeah. that's not even, you know, an exaggeration. That's the truth. So if he, if he can combine that with a shot, man, it, it's hard to say that the Pelicans, you know, would, wouldn't regret it, especially because Zion, I mean, I know we're kind of early on this, but it wouldn't surprise me if, I mean, we've seen this history repeats itself. So it wouldn't surprise me if we've seen, if we see Zion, you know, have a hard time staying on the floor, um, you know, for the rest of his career. Yeah. And I think like we always say, availability is your best ability. And I, I love stressing that point because, you know, if you're out there, you're at least there, you know, even if he did take this big year three jump, which, you know, kind of, I feel like we kind of expected after he what he Zion would have put on a show. No, I'm sure Zion would have, but Ja, right? We kind of saw a little bit of a glimpse of it last year in the play-in game, and I think that's kind of what elevated the it. The playoffs. And the playoffs, yeah, when they got in. But it really started in that play-in game, like that play-in scenario before they, you know, got in and beat the Warriors. He averaged 30, he averaged like 33 a game in the playoffs versus Jazz. I think it was that series as well. No, I know, but it kicked off in the play-in yes. series. Okay, yes. He was the reason, he was, you know, the reason why they got into the playoffs because of how mm-hmm. good he performed in the play-in series. And I think that's really where – you know, from the playoffs to where he left off, he picked right up where he left off. And I mean, if he's going to be out there for what, 75 games a year compared to Zion playing what 50 so far. And I think that's on the high end for him. I'll take Ja. I don't think that's on the high end. That's, that's being a, a bit rude. You don't know I, I, if that's going to be the high end, but well, he played 24 and then he played 61 and then he played zero. But remember last, last year was 72. Games. So he so played, like he's relatively like- healthy. Yeah, that's that's pretty. It's like on pace for like sixty six games. But then, I mean, you can't forget that his rookie year he hardly played, and he hasn't played this year yet. It's concerning to say the least. Yeah. Oh, the rookie year also. We have to consider that those twenty four games he missed like the first forty. That was also a shortened season. So like he played like half of his rookie year. I think about like roughly half, maybe a little less. Last year I thought he was you know healthy. Like look, missing ten games is not a big deal now as NBA. A lot of stars. No, play all the games. So that was a healthy season last year. First year, not really, but he, I'm not here to hate on Zion. I think that his skill set is still incredible. And I think, I mean, he's probably the only player in the league with that type of strength. So, I mean, it allows him to just absolutely dominate, especially at an early age. He's able to 
probably put in some of the best seasons he will in his career, like right now. And that's why it kind of sucks. He's in new Orleans though, too, because it feels like by the time he's going to be gone, it's going to be one of those bad free agency moves for like the team who gets him because it feels like he could, you know, be on the yeah. deteriorating end of that. That's mm-hmm. what I just wanted to mention. You said for the Pelicans, the Pelicans, no offense, but lately they've been a failed organization. I like, and they're lucky that they got someone like Brandon Ingram back in that Anthony Davis trade, to be honest with you, because you know, how are they lucky though? I mean, they, they did land Anthony. That was a good, that was a good trade for them. I think in the long run, because AD wasn't really committed to the the Pelicans and getting Brandon Ingram and, you know, getting at least Lonzo, they they made a mistake. They made a mistake on Lonzo. Lonzo. Yes. They should have got him back too. And they also failed to put pieces around Brandon Ingram and Zion so far. And I, and I think that's an understatement. They made some awful trades last year. Some awful awful trades. We talk about that all the time. And listen, with Zion's injury thing, kind of, you know, so he said, obviously, this offseason that he was happy to be there and everything, but hasn't been out there. And you know what? With just Brandon Ingram and Zion and a bunch of, like, Josh Hart is, re- like, Devontae Graham. Like, are the, is this team going And anywhere? Jonas Valanciunas, I mean, like, they wanted to trade for a center, so they gave their 10th overall pickup this year to get a center. And which when they already have joke. Zion, which was a joke, like, that was a bad move. Awful. The best center to pair next to Zion would be Miles Turner. And... But for whatever reason, they get a back-to-the-basket, low-post guy in balance Tunis who doesn't bring you too much defense either. Just another horrible move on there. And it yeah. was like when they bought in Steven Adams last year, like that was a horrible move. Their best, you know, their best production was when Steven Adams was off the floor. They don't know what they're doing as a front office, and it shows. Yeah, David Griffin has no idea what he's doing. It's no, just no, no idea whatsoever. Yeah, and I, and I know people are going to comment right away, like, oh, Valanciunas' stats are, are, are really good. But he doesn't Number shoot threes. He's 0.6 three-point attempts a game at 33%. Like, he's not a good shooter. He cannot shoot the basketball. Last okay, year, also was 0.9 as a center, attempts. He's shooting, he's shooting 41%. He's not efficient. Yeah, a lot exactly. Of the, it's like 17 and 15 a game. I've but. seen it. He, he gets, like, three offensive rebounds on one possession because he just keeps, like, missing it. It's almost like Andre Drummond-esque <laughs> in the sense <laughs> of, like, he's just missing just it. putting back his own misses. Like, you he, see he, Bradley he, Beal yesterday? Yeah, that was yes, bad. I that shocked in the fool. He missed two layups back to back. That was that was funny. That kind of reminded me. At least me they that. were laughing about it. You know, he wasn't. You know, that was funny. How about those wizards, man? We got to talk about them one. Yeah, one you know, time. they still won, so it's something they can definitely laugh about. So let's move on though. Now, I mean, I I think this is kind of the big story now because of what's going on in the NBA, especially with the Nets. But you know, the NBA's new foul rule. We kind of saw it cut down. Where you know, if you're the offensive player and you initiate contact you know, purposely, you're not going to get a foul called anymore. And uh, Steve Nash said in a presser the other day that, you know, James Harden has unfairly become the poster boy of this, of these, you know, rules. And it was kind of a popular thing that James Harden started, obviously. And then you saw someone like Trey Young, you know, pick up with it a little bit, but, you know, Harden's numbers this year have dipped. And he also, you know, says part of that is because of the hamstring injury over the off season and rehabbing and getting back into well, the quad injury too. It was, I think it was a quad, right? Or not a, was it a, I think it was a quad, not a hamstring. I think it was a hamstring. Because that's, that, no, that's what happened. I'm almost positive it was a hamstring. Okay, so either way, yeah, well. either way, though. I mean, like, yeah, the quick turnaround with the offseason, a little bit shortened compared to usual, obviously. So that and recovering and rehabbing, that's also why he says part of the slow start. But his free throw attempts are down, and his numbers are way down. Just to read it to you guys for a sample, I mean, 16.6 points per game, which is insanely low for James Harden, only shooting 36% from the field, seven boards and eight assists, which is fine. You know, he's playing point guard for the Nets now, but – you know, with the combination of Harden not playing so great and, you know, the new rule changes and then not having Kyrie, a, you know, 20, 28 point per game score on efficient numbers, 
the Nets are taking a bit of a hit of this. And it seems like Steve Nash is express, uh, expressing his frustration that, you know, James Harden's kind of become the victim. Yeah, um, I don't think it's fair to say he's become a victim of anything. Like, sure, maybe he's not getting as many calls as he's used to, but that doesn't explain a 12% dip in his field goal percentage. Like, he's just not making shots. He doesn't look athletic. He's like not, he doesn't have that same burst. You know, he's not getting by guys. He, he, like, no amount of free throws is fixing his, like, his unbelievably bad shooting percentages and only averaging 16 points. I mean, come on. I totally agree with, like, the explosiveness. But I was watching the Heat game. I watched the, the uh, most of the Heat-Nets game. And I was so disappointed with Harden going for the fouls of non-basketball moves. Like, he would get by Bam out of bio with a nice crossover. He's got the sick handle still. I mean, we know this. Ultra-talented. But then he goes for the non-basketball move instead of just going for the easy two. You already had one step on Bam out of bio. You had the shot. Just go up for the two. Don't complicate things. Another example, he gets by Kyle Lowry, bumps his shoulder to the left, the left side, and then wants a foul. Just go. You already have one step on the defender. Just go for the shot. And he's doing that way too much this season. I think that's a big part of it. Sure, he's maybe lost. I mean, he's little overweight I think we could tell but he still has that he still has that explosiveness I think to get by guys and it's just disappointing to watch when Steve Nash to me says he's a victim of this I find that so laughably funny because remember last year when Steve Nash said that Trey Young was you know not playing real basketball when you know Mm -hmm. he was frustrated about the Hawks versus Nets game all those calls but now he's all of a sudden changed his mind totally and now it's all of a sudden fine that James Harden, you know, I mean, is the, the non-basketball moves are fine. When it's his team, of course, he's going to say that. But something that you bring up that's a good point was what he was doing in the Heat game. And I think that Harden is just so accustomed to, like, doing that because that's what he's done. And that's how he's gotten to the free throw line. He has line. to adjust his game seriously. And he has to adjust his game. Exactly. And then It's like natural that, instincts, though, it feels like. It feels exactly. like he's doing it naturally. Exactly. Like, but it's going to be t- – because he's, that's what he was so used to. But he can't do that anymore. And I listen, I'm, I'm for one to say I love that new rule change because it was just such I'm garbage. I'm a fan of it, huge fan. Yeah, I, and I think most fans are. And but you know, Harden was just so used to it because it was you know a common occurrence to him. All right, I got right past, past this guy, I'm gonna bump into him, I'm gonna make the lap, and I'm gonna get an extra free throw for myself. Or if I don't make the lap, I'm gonna get two free throws that are yeah, efficient shots that are more efficient shots. Yeah, that's foul trouble. That's exactly. Also, because you have an 80, if you're a 90% free throw shooter, you have an 80% chance of making both free throws. You only have like a 50% chance of making a shot or 40, like 8% chance. So it's yeah. much more efficient. That's why he was you know, so efficient mm-hmm. these past you know couple of years. Like, to be honest with you, like that, the combination of like his instincts, which he kind of has to change. And then, you know, the shortened off season a little bit with the hamstring injury, rehab time, like, and he does look out of shape. It's just the reality of it. He doesn't. Like you said, Graf, his explosiveness, it's not the same. You could tell. You could just look at his body compared to what it was when he was in Houston. It's not the same. Mm-hmm. But if he's not healthy, if he's not 100%, just sit him. You still have Kevin Durant. You can still win basketball games. And we talked about this yesterday a little bit. Like, their, their upcoming schedule is pretty easy. Like they have the Pistons and, like, the Magic and stuff coming up. Yeah, like easy They can win game. these games with just Kevin Durant. That's like – so if, if James Harden's not 100% healthy, sit him. You're not helping yourself in the long term. This will still be – like, you'll still be in the playoffs. You just got to get this guy 100% by then. I think he's 100% healthy because no, I don't think on. he is, though. But I don't know if he's it doesn't seem like he's healthy. Yeah. I don't think he's in game shape. Maybe yet. not in game shape. Yeah, I don't think he's, he's got to get in game shape. I, I, I don't really know what the solution is. But he's is. recovering from an injury. And I also, I mean, 
there's been like question marks about how like you know i mean actually we're not gonna get into that but yeah i think he's still just recovering from the injury let's also bring this into account that the net supporting cast isn't helping them out either and you know this wouldn't be talked about as much if the nets were still winning basketball games but you know graph like you touched on this joe harris hasn't been the same bruce brown has kind of just been like eh the veterans you Blake get- Griffin has been terrible too. Uh, Aldridge has been okay. I'll give them Aldridge and Patty Mills has been good, but the rest of them have just been just garbage. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's, it's, you know, to be worried about that they are missing, you know, Kyrie scoring and, you know, Harden's not himself and look at the way that Kevin Durant's playing. They're still not winning every basketball game. You know, they're fighting to win some games that, you know, this team should be winning by 25 points. Yeah. I can't believe Cam Thomas hasn't cracked the rotation summer league MVP. He averaged like 25 points per game in the summer. Like he's a young guy who can get you a bucket and, you know, he'll bring energy. You know, he's a young guy. But yeah, instead they gave they're DeAndre like, Bembry like yeah, 13 like minutes. Like Paul Millsap and Aldridge being out there together, like that can't happen. They, they, I, I think they got to go with some young guys. Um, and they, they have a really talented young rookie. So I don't know why he's not playing. Questionable, mm-hmm. at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let's move on. Let's talk about uh, the best rookies in the NBA so far. I have some of the uh, numbers of. I, I guess we could all say the top three rookies so far. Scotty Barnes averaging 17, 8, and 2. Mobley averaging almost 14, 8, and 2. And then Duarte averaging almost 19, 4.6, and 1.8. So, I mean, obviously, Scotty Barnes and Evan Mobley aren't really a surprise. They were two, like, really high picks, three and four, right? And then, but Duarte, I think he was pick 14. And, you know, I think a lot of people had some question marks about him. But to see him really kind of like lighting up the league so far. I think he's the leading scorer among all rookies. Like it, it's been a bit of a surprise. And obviously once Cade Cunningham comes back, this talk will get more interesting. But for now, these are the three guys. So what do you guys think? I think that the best rookie so far, you know, it's tough. I, I originally had Evan Mobley in, the, in an Instagram post. And, you know, I, I got some people had some criticisms of, you know, Evan Mobley over Scotty Barnes. I think a lot of people also thought Evan Mobley was the best rookie because, He's averaging 15 while being probably the best defender um, as a rookie by by a mile. Oh, Davion Mitchell is obviously in that conversation. Scotty Barnes is also Scotty Barnes has been pretty good too. But Evan Mobley has statistically been in all like a historic defender so far. I mean, he has contested like, 72 shots in his first six games, which is like un mm. unreal pace, unreal. And the Cavs have been you know playing very good defense as a team. Like they just allowed seventy nine points versus the Clippers last night. Seventy nine. Yeah, this which, and by the three way, and I two. can't believe that because they have Laurie Markin starting at small forward, and they were awful the first two games. But like they just flipped the switch, and now all of a sudden they're playing great defense. So I just I can't believe that to be honest. Yeah, with with yeah, the defense has been a surprise with Cleveland because we thought mm-hmm. they would struggle defensively with three bigs, but. I mean, I guess we're getting proven wrong a little bit, but I don't know how long that will yeah. last for. We're not going to jump the gun. Allen's a good rim protector, and Mobley can really guard, you know, one through five with his length. And but Mobley can't guard the ones. Knock it off with that. You can't guard. When ones. you switch out on Mobley, it's not like a you know like a given mismatch if you switched out like Nikola Vucevic on a one. Like to he, be fair though, Mobley held his own versus some Trey Young in the switching when they played the Hawks. Like that was what I was really impressed when I was watching that game. I was like, he's holding his own versus Trey Young when he's getting switched out to him. That was impressive, but I don't think he could do that consistently. I don't think any big man can, to be honest. But he does it better than most bigs. Yeah, he's oh, really built for that. No, though. that's why I think he's in. A, that's why I think he's the rookie built. of the year. But who's your rookie I, of the year, Frank? Uh, Chris Duarte for me. I mean, coming out of Chris college, you know, he, he, he's a great scorer, and we kind of saw a glimpse of it in March Madness with, you know, with Oregon, and he was also. I think he's. I believe he's twenty three or twenty four. He's the he's oldest. Twenty five. He's twenty five. Oh. Yeah. Man, so even older than I thought. I thought he was 24. 
but you know, comes into the league. My bad. Up. He is 24. My bad. Sorry. Okay. No, Gavin, the gun, but yeah, I mean, he's he's just an absolute bucket. And coming in there, the Pacers, we kind of talked about before the season, like they have a lot of guys that can score the basketball. And Chris Duarte coming here as a rookie and averaging 18 points per game for the Pacers is pretty impressive. Well, they've also and, had injuries. Like TJ Warren has been hurt. And like, you know, um, Karis LeVert's been season. gone too. Karis LeVert and like TJ Warren have been gone. Injury. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's he's like gonna come back soon. Excuse with the Pacers, so they've had they've had people hurt for the last three years. Like something. Yeah, I know because it was Victor Oladipo first, and then like yeah. last year, TJ Warren went down. They it's traded for Karis LeVert. Everybody, just, everybody, like. Just but Sabonis plays most of the games, though. Sabonis is not no, they, injured. They just have like everybody missing time last year. Like they, something's got to change in that organization. Um, well, it was it was really the one injury to TJ Warren. Then Karis LeVert was already hurt when he got traded for. From Houston, which by the way, that was a steal for Indiana getting Karis Levert for Victor Oladipo. Yeah, like they got Karis for Victor Oladipo is so beyond washed and washed. Yeah, and they actually got they actually got. So we all had different picks for Rookie of the Year so far. Grafs, Barnes, Am Mobley, and, and Frank's Chris Duarte. I'm not a fan of Chris Duarte. I think he's in a cool off. I think he's been insanely hot from just the field both from three and just overall. I, he's in a cool down, man. He's, he's not going to get the opportunity with Karis Avert and, and Warren coming back. He's well, not going to get a, like those shots a game. He's going to fall to like 12 points a game, and then he'll be like a solid rookie, but he won't be rookie of the year. Well, it's through the you know first four or five games. Yes, yes. That's, that's... It'll be interesting, though, to see if Mobley can win because his, his defense has been tremendous, but like how much do the voters care about that? Like they need the gonna, Cavs like, to have a good record, though. If the Cavs make a yeah, play in tournament, then maybe. I, I just think, like, like right now, Barnes has more impressive offensive numbers, and I think exactly, that's what they yeah. care about. Because it's you're, like, you're these right. awards are very casual based. They're not going to like look at like the contested shots. They don't care. But don't get me wrong. I think Moby's been tremendous, and yeah, his defense has had a huge. And how about Josh Giddy, who's had two eighteen point, or he had one nineteen point game with like eight assists, and then another eighteen point game with ten assists last night. He's averaging yeah, eleven six and five. I got to watch him. He looked he looked pretty solid. He was one of the rookies I was more down on, and he had a slow start to the year. But you know, he showed some promise last some, night. How is he had a it. slow? I mean, first slow first two games. Well, his yeah. first game, look right here. His first, first game, he had games. like four points. He you know, and then the next game, he had six game, points. Yeah, yeah. The last few games, he's been pretty solid. I liked what I saw from him. He's got good. I'm high on Josh and he hits some threes. He's an incredible passer him. too. He's a, he's yeah. a phenomenal passer already. Yeah, I, I think he's a dark horse rookie of the year. But you, you love to see the young guys hit threes because that's always a big question mark for everybody coming into the NBA. So the Thunder. I mean, that game we could talk about it for just like a, a minute or two. But that that was a that was an interesting one. Thunder Lakers last night. Oh, what happened? That was I, what a disgrace. They, they were all they also the Lakers also blew a twenty five point lead. So. I mean, yeah, I mean, they had the three threes at the end, one missed by Westbrook, which was a bad look, one by Malik Monk, which was just a terrible look. I don't off a timeout coming off two timeouts. That's, why, that's, that's the I problem. Really you get those looks off out. of timeouts. So that, that was I a drawn up play. That. that was that's what kind of coaching is that by Frank Vogel? And then we you get the Carmelo pull up three. But Carmelo's three wasn't bad. But the two threes off the timeouts from Malik Monk and Russell Westbrook were terrible. They Terrible. also got bailed out. They should have never been in that game. The Thunder had an eight-second violation. They couldn't get the ball over half court, and then they turned over the inbounds pass. They were literally handing the Lakers the game out of silver platter, and they yeah, still well, couldn't win. That's because they're inexperienced. They're all like twenty years yeah. old on that team. They don't, you know, they haven't been in situations like that, so it's tough. But yeah, I mean, the fact that the Lakers couldn't pull that out is definitely kind of jarring. Mm -hmm. All right, let's move on to the Timberwolves and Hornets. Now we'll talk about two teams 
who have had probably the most surprising starts in the NBA so far. Well, I will say for me, I was very high on the Timberwolves. I had them making the playoffs. So I, I'm patting myself on the back a little bit. You know, I kind of knew this. You guys you were sleeping on them a bit. But, um, you know, the Hornets 4-1 and one so far, they're second in the Eastern Conference. That will change after tonight um, when the Knicks jump to the first, Bulls at second, and then Hornets third. Um, LaMelo averaging 20 points a game, six assists, uh, six rebounds, five, six assists, same kind of gist. And Miles Bridges, man, talk about a player who is in the, the clear running for most improved player, the clear favorite, um, averaging 26 points a game, uh, eight rebounds and two assists. I think last three averaged 12. So to jump from 12 to 26 points per game is, is incredible. And then, you know, talk about the Wolves now. Anthony Edwards, 25 points a game. Cat, 28 points a game on insane efficiency, shooting 55% from the field and 53% from three. So both these teams have looked very impressive. Um, I will say the team I'm more impressed with is the Timberwolves because they just beat the Bucks in Milwaukee with Giannis playing, with Chris Middleton playing. Now, Drew Holiday was out, to be fair, but that's still a very impressive win to go to Milwaukee and get that win. Um, as for Charlotte, I think, you know, they beat the Nets, right? Which is, you know, that's a, that's a cool win. I would definitely acknowledge that. But then they beat like the, the Magic, the Cavs, the Pacers. Like they don't have that many impressive wins in my eyes. Like, yeah, like sure, you beat the, the, the Cavs, Pacers, and Magic, but you beat the Nets. So I think the Timberwolves have more impressive wins is, is my overall point, though. I mean, I, I, the Hornets really impressed me the opening night, though, when they were down by 25 to the Pacers in the third quarter and they came back and got that win. You know, although the Pacers, you know, have been struggling so far, that kind of started the downfall for them, I feel like, a little bit. But that was a big win for the Hornets. And the Hornets kind of surprised me because, I, you know, I, I said playing for both of these teams, like, you know, around that thing, you know, sort of thing. But I could see that the Hornets kind of being like the Hawks from last year, uh, kind of surprising Oh, people. they don't have that superstar like Trey Young, though. No. Do, I don't, I don't think Lamelo's that like Trey Young caliber guy yet. I don't. No, I don't yeah, well, that was also Trey Young's third year. It's only Lamelo's second year, so yeah. And I and I think that the comb the combination of Lamelo, Miles Bridges, then you obviously have Gordon Hayward, like and Terry Rozier. Like you have pieces there. You have pieces to make this work. They could be a team that does really well in the regular season, and it's a deep team. The Hornets have a deep team. They have Kelly Oubre as well. A team that can you know make this work in the regular season, potentially be a four or five seed in the Eastern Conference, and maybe make some noise come playoff time. You never know what could happen. So, I, I've been impressed with them so far, and I think, like I said, it, they could be like the Hawks from last year, surprise people, stay this high in the regular season. Yeah, um, I mean, I love both of these teams. I don't, I don't really know how to form an argument for who's been more impressive. They, they've both just been impressive. Um, you know, Cat's been doing his usual thing. He's always been an efficient scorer. Obviously, his numbers right now are insane, and they'll, they'll, you know, they'll cool down a little bit. But he's always been a very efficient scorer, so that doesn't surprise me. You know, Edward Edwards making the second year jump—that's impressive. We already touched on his flaws last year, and we were very unimpressed with him until the second half of the year, where he really turned it on. And this year, we're seeing that, but at a more consistent level. So that's very impressive. But then, as for the Hornets, the reason I think that they could be a better team than the Timberwolves this year is they have more you know, experience on their team, Gordon Hayward, Terry Rozier. These are guys that have been in like Eastern conference finals, you know, like they've, they've had huge games in their career. The whole Timberwolves team is very young and inexperienced and D'Angelo Russell hasn't really played well yet, which is a little concerning for me. So, well, he had know, a one good game last night, last night, he had like yeah, 29 but, on 12 to 25 from the field, but before I, that he was playing terrible. Like he shot, I don't like want to see him shooting the ball that much though. I just, I need to see him more as a facilitator, get the other guys going. They have so many other pieces that can score and, I don't know. I know. Yeah, he, that's the thing. He's always been an inefficient scorer, like around like the forty-two percent mark. 
But we so, don't I mean, need to see him score. They have obviously Towns and Edwards, and then Beasley was like a twenty point per game guy a few seasons ago. You know, they have, they just have so many guys. I don't think he needs to be that guy taking twenty shots a game. You know, I think uh, Aunt Edwards talked about that how him, Cat, and D'Lo are you know not passing the ball enough. I think that was after their loss to the um, the Pelicans. So, I mean, they definitely do need to get, like, everyone more involved, it seems like, though, because they do take, like, 85% of the shots, like those three. Those, like, you look at, the, they take, like, 25. Like, Edwards will take, like, 20 shots. D'Lo, like, 20. Cat, like, like 17, 15. Like, they take a lot of shots, those three. But it's going to take some time. Yeah. Like, I mean, legit. how many games have they all played together? Not many. Not many, not many at all. Last season. So it'll take time. They're young. They're inexperienced. They'll, they'll get it figured out at some point, though, because they're all very talented. I agree. You think any of these teams, like, I'm going to put you on the spot right here, guys. Hornets, Wolves, are they making the playoffs both or no? Right now? Yeah. Probably. I would you say You think, yes. like, top six seeds, so, like, they won't have to go through the play-in? I can't I think they, say that. For I the can't see. Yeah, I don't. But for the Hornets uh, right now, I can I'm see the Hornets. Yes. Yeah. You I, got, so what makes you think that? So you guys think the Celtics and the Sixers are that bad? Where they fell in off? Like the Sixers look horrible. horrible versus the, the they, Sixers have the looked Sixers lost by like thirty to the Knicks, and they couldn't. They couldn't do anything. They just yeah. looked awful. And uh, I would still. I think this, the Hornets might be better than the Philadelphia, but I don't know about Boston. Another, I think Boston is still thing, better than the Pacers have been awful. That was another team competing for one of those like six, five, six seeds. They look awful. Yeah, but what about these teams? I'm about to name the, the Bulls, the Knicks, the Heat, the Bucks, and the Nets. Like those five are consensus locks, I think, to be ahead. Atlanta six. That's an, a, a consensus lock. And like Boston seven, like Philly eight. Well, like, like you still have to battle. It wouldn't teams. surprise me if like someone like the Heat, the Knicks, or the Bulls like fall a little bit, or someone like the Heat. I, I, I really do think they're they're substantially better than like the Celtics, though. And. You I know, think a seven or they'll have to go through the play in tournament, Charlotte. I, th- I, I think, think so too, but I, I think the Wolves are also in the same boat. Oh, agreed. The Wolves. We look at the West with the, the Wolves, Warriors, definitely are. The Clippers. But, I mean, would you really be surprised guys, if like the, the Hornets won like 46 games or something and ended up with the sixth seed? That wouldn't really be that surprising to me. No. Actually, no, I'll, I'll take that back about the Wolves. I think they could be the sixth seed in the West. You look at the West, it's really not that impressive. Denver so far has not looked good without, you know, um, Jamal Murray still. Like Michael Porter Jr. has really struggled so far. Um, you look at like the Suns are one and three right now. They, there's not like a lot of eye pop. The Clippers without you know Kawhi are not that good. It's really like the Lakers, the Jazz, the Warriors, and like the those three teams. Is that it? And then the Nuggets four. But like after that, like who the Dallas might be better. But Dallas is not the Suns too. The Suns. I, I think the Suns and Nuggets are, will turn it around. Yeah, the Suns. So let's say there's five foul. teams. So let's say the Suns, the Lakers, the Jazz, Warriors, and Nuggets are five. Wolves could be six. Yeah, I think Wolves could be six. Then you got to compete with the Mavericks, maybe the Blazers if they still hold the on to Grizzlies. the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies, like there's just a, I feel like there's a lot more competition. Like I feel like all those teams are more competition the Clippers, than the Hornets battling against Boston, for instance. But I mean, Boston, I wouldn't rule out. But I think Boston's still better than Charlotte. I don't know. I'm just maybe I'm just like a hater, but I'm tremendously low on Boston right now. I do not like what I've seen from them. It's been it's they're two and three. It's not like they're one and four or oh and five. I know, but they just oh my god, they just have not looked very good. Which is weird because they beat the Hornets in overtime, and I get that. But their other games, they've looked so bad. Like they lost to the Wizards. I feel like that's again they got to win. They got blown up by the Raptors. The Raptors. What happened with the Knicks when Jason Tatum disappeared? So I don't know, but yeah, it's a long season. It's hard to predict what's going to happen. Only four or five games in, so we'll see. Mm -hmm. Most certainly. But let's talk about Deshaun Watson now and kind of 
you know, everything that's going on with him. And will he be traded before the November 2nd trade deadline? Uh, you know, he's only waived his no trade clause for the Miami Dolphins. He said no to Philly and Carolina pulled out of the, uh, you know, the trades. And today, as I was watching that Pat McAfee show, they had, you know, Fox insider Jay Glazer on. And he said that the Texans messed this up and that in the offseason, an unknown team offered three first and three threes for wow. Deshaun Watson. And the Texans, he said, we're just not calling people back in the offseason when, you know, the Broncos, the Panthers, the Eagles and the Dolphins were interested. They weren't calling or texting teams back, and they kind of gotten themselves into a sticky situation now with Deshaun Watson and kind of what's going to happen. But he says he would not be surprised if he gets traded. To me, it seems like, though, it's not going to happen. Uh, the Eagles, Watson said no. You know, the Panthers kind of moved out. And it's just really Miami that's left. And, you know, I know Brian Flores told Tua that, you know, he's like their guy, and that can change. But to me, it seems like teams are hesitant to move on Watson because they want everything legally to be settled first. And I understand that, that that's how I would be. But it, to me, it seems like he's going to be stuck with the Texans. And also just to mention quickly, Jay Glazer said that the Texans are doing a fire sale. He expects guys like Brandon cooks and some other guys in the roster veterans that can contribute to a contender to be traded as well. That would help and, my fantasy team a lot. Well, that, yeah, that would be stupid to hold on to guys like cooks anyway. Like exactly. Get something. Watson might still be on the roster. So mm-hmm. I don't know what you guys think. I think, like he said, I think the Texans handled this poorly because yeah. his value was much higher in the offseason than it is now. The Texans the Texans tanked this. I mean, this is kind of similar to the Ben Simmons situation. Just trade the guy. Like, just trade the guy. Like, you're not going to get 100 first-round picks from him. The fact that a team offered three first-round picks when his future is uncertain, and day by day it's looking yeah. more and more like he's not going to play. Like, the fact that you gave that up. And by the way, even if nothing was bad with Deshaun Watson, like, there was no issues whatsoever, what, what would you even get from him? More than three first-round picks and three-thirds? Like, how much are you even getting for him? You would get like five if they. Like, I guess five. Like, you would get five, right? Easily, I think. So you think you would get five firsts yes. and three, or thirds. maybe four ones and what and two twos? Okay, like, guys, you're, you're one. This you're is the Sean Watson, a top you're three quarterback. On one first round pick. Yeah, you have this huge black cloud around him where you don't know what's happening. So the fact you couldn't pull the trigger, and they were like, "Oh, we're keeping him. We're doing this." Like you're only screwing yourself over. It's the same thing with the Sixers. Just trade the guy. God, it's like sickening. And uh, to touch on what you said before, I read somewhere that I don't know how true this is, but he only is willing to waive his no trade clause for the Dolphins. He doesn't want to go to the Panthers. So, you know, that probably throws a a wrench in the whole issue because maybe the Panthers could offer more. And I don't get this whole thing like where teams like when players publicly come out and say, like, I don't want to play for like the team, like it destroys the trade value because you have no leverage anymore. And if Mm. there's any... And now the same thing kind of in the offseason when four teams were interested in Deshaun Watson and now only one is, they have no leverage. They can't be like, oh, Carolina's offering me two ones and two twos because nobody else is interested. If only Miami's interested, they don't really have to give up much. The Texans mm-hmm. crushed themselves here just like you mentioned with Philly. You know, they don't, they don't like – and to me, you're crazy if you trade for them with all this legal stuff going on. And, you know, exactly. I, I just think it's crazy. Like, you'd be crazy to give up – assets for someone that we don't even know if he's going to play down in the NFL again and like you said as every day goes by it just looks worse and worse because we're not getting any news mm-hmm. you know what though I don't think that the Dolphins are the team that was giving up the three first round picks because didn't the Dolphins already give up their first round pick in April so if it was over the summer I doubt they gave up they wanted to give up three more first round picks after they just gave up their first round pick. And it probably wasn't draft. Carolina because they just traded for. Uh, I think it was Denver. I think it was Denver. I was going to say Denver. I think it was Denver because they signed Teddy Bridgewater like in the offseason. I think they signed him right after that that, that got declined. Mm-hmm. I really think that happened because they didn't like Drew Locke. 
So I think it was Denver. We know that, or we don't know that for certain, but I, I believe that. It's one of those um, four teams. So I will say though, it's weird how he wants to go to Miami so bad. And this is where I'm a little skeptical. At first, it was like, okay, you want to go to Miami because they're a good football team, right? They're, you know, they're 10 and 6 last year with Tua, who wasn't very good at all. They had a great defense, you know, they had a great coach, whatever. But now it's like they're a bad team. Doesn't it seem like the only reason why he wants to go to Miami is because of you know what? I mean, let's just be honest. Let's just be honest. I don't know why he wants to go to Miami anymore if they're not a good football team. It's clear that there's one reason why he wants to go to Miami. I I think that's what I take away from that. Miami is... Miami is That's what I take away from that. I mean, it's expensive. It's insane. It's a great time. But, like, like a lot of players like playing at Miami. Jimmy Butler said he loved playing in Miami. I'm sure the Heat... Oh, guys, oh, all I'm not talking about Jimmy different. Butler. I'm not. It's so much different. Like, I'm just saying that it's so much different than the Dolphins. But like, listen, the Dolphins, I I get it and everything. Like, they haven't been as good and stuff. But like, I don't know. Is Carolina really that much better? Like, Carolina has a good direction with some no, of the young. All I'm saying is, I'm asking. It seems random, Frank. That the only place you want to go to, the only place you want to go to is one team that's not even that good at football anymore. They're not even a good football team anymore. And you're so set on, your eyes are so set on going to that one team. You won't even open your mind to Denver or Carolina. I think we know why, man. That's all I'm saying. And that's the thing that I think is even worse because like Deshaun Watson, like, like no offense. It shows his head's in the wrong place. It shows his head's in the wrong place though. You want to get out of Houston so bad, you would be willing to go anywhere else but Houston. Anywhere, yes. If it was that bad, you'd be willing to go to Carolina or, you know, Philly or anywhere else. But you only want, like, it's just like, it. the whole thing is, it's a disaster. You don't get, you shouldn't get to pick where you want to go when, like, dude, you're, you probably might not even play in the NFL again. And he's out here deciding like, oh, I want to go to, I want to go to Miami only. I'm not going to Philly. I'm not going to Carolina. I'm not going to Denver. I'm not going to San Fran. Nowhere else. Something interesting that I also heard is that some of the teams that were interested in trading for Deshaun Watson wanted him to wanted to talk to him before, and and just you know sit down and ask him about what's going on and just see where like his head. You don't is think and where he, he wouldn't he wouldn't give the he wouldn't and he, actually, and he did he didn't he didn't he speak to the these truth. teams. And it, it's just the whole thing is just a disaster. It's well, and, he like can said, play. Can we talk about how he can play though? If he gets traded, like Roger Goodell said, he's he's he'll be allowed to play this season because he, the legal he's allowed to play not, right now. He, yeah, he's, he's allowed on, to play right now. Active roster. No, I yeah. know that. I'm just kind of surprised how like they're not going to do anything about it. They're not going to prevent him from starting. A team, a team a team would get crushed though if they actually played him. Like just absolutely killed. I don't. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, and you see I don't the know. NFL about the Washington football team emails. Apparently, they're not showing them. And, like, they know there's bad stuff in them, but they're just deciding not to show them. Because they have a lot to hide. Well. That can that's, that's a whole it's all the owners. It's all the owners, though, because the owners yeah. have so much money where they pay people off. Yeah, that's a, the NFL, I mean, they don't seem to have their priorities straight with that, though. Um, all right, that's going to be it for the Sneaky Sports Podcast, Season 3, Episode number 81 on this Thursday, October 28th. 2021 and before we sign off real quick i do just want to say um if you're watching on youtube if you're new hit that red subscribe button and also drop a like on this video for your boys um if you're listening on apple podcast or spotify make sure to rate and review the podcast it would be greatly appreciated and lastly follow our socials our instagram our tiktok our twitter and we'll see you guys next monday um november 1st november 1st is, is here so first pod november 
Um, and we'll, we'll continue. Happy Halloween. Anyone, happy Halloween. <laughs> All right, see you, fellas.